Welcome to In Studio from Simply Timeless. I'm Jade Andrews. As one of the younger members on the New York jazz scene, pianist Emmett Cohen continues to wow audiences around the country and around the world with his fresh interpretations of the standards as well as his own new original compositions. His latest release is the album Future Strides for Mac Avenue. Emmett and I talk about the album as well as his own musical journey. And that includes working alongside a number of his own jazz heroes. We start the conversation with Emmett's early years with his family in Miami, Florida. I was born in Miami, Florida, Baptist Hospital, Miami, Florida, Dade County, and lived there for 11 years. I grew up there until my family decided it was time to get out of there. Um, I think it may have something to do with the school school systems and everything like that. My dad moved his work to New York City and uh, we moved to Montclair, New Jersey, uh, which is, you know, the town that Christian McBride lives in, uh, Bruce Williams, uh, Steve Teray, Stephen Colbert, Many other people, Billy Hart, I grew up down the street from Billy Hart. Um, you know, it's a mini New York City kind of cultural hub there. And I got a chance to 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 be around a lot of culture and a lot of arts. And uh, my parents took me to see opera and Broadway and classical music and jazz. And uh, got a chance to see Ray Charles when I was about 10 or 11 years old. And uh, Jimmy Smith, not too much older than that. Uh, when I was not too much older than that, I saw Jimmy Smith play at the Blue Note. Um, you know, different, they'd take me to see Marcus Roberts and play Frank Sinatra around the house and uh, various classical music and everything. So uh, there was always a lot of arts and culture and stuff around the house. My mom is an artist. She, uh, she makes pottery and also is a photographer and it just has an artistic mind. Um, so it was always kind of creativity was, was around and, and, and I, I played piano at three years old. Um, there was some other pianists, uh, another pianist, another musician in my family. His name was Greg Kogan. And he uh, passed away last year, two years ago. And he played with Buddy Rich and Lionel Hampton and was, was, was a big player on the New York jazz scene a number of years ago. And I never really knew him growing up, but I, I got a chance to meet him when uh, I was about uh, 15 or 16 and we had similar interests and he showed me some stuff on the piano and you know it was a good case for genetics um, because I was playing and we had similar kind of chops and, and, and mentality and everything so there was some music in the family and, and my dad got me started nice and early playing Suzuki piano which is playing by ear which really lends itself to, to, to playing you know when, 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 I, when I grew up I was accustomed to learning by ear and playing by ear so it lends itself to jazz Tell us a little bit more detail about the Suzuki method, because I know that it's been used by a lot of classical and jazz players. Uh, you know, is it, a, is it a tiered system? Is there like a beginning, an immediate advance? Describe how you progress through something like that. You know, I was three years old, so uh, <laughs> it's hard to remember. Uh, but I, I remember you learned, that, you know, the, the teacher would show you the notes and you learn by ear. Um, they'd show it to you, you'd play it, and then later you put the notes, you know, the notes to it, and it was a lot of simple Bach and 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 you know minuet and G stuff like that that you learn. Um, and yeah, it got got more as it got more advanced. We got into some different things, and um, you know, I was just lucky that I did what the teacher said at that age because um, a lot of kids <laughs> can't sit through it. And three years old, I mean, that's 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 an early age to start. Um, if you can remember, what were some of your first memories? about hearing jazz music. When were you able to discover it? I know that you mentioned that your parents often had it playing around the house, but for you, what were some of your first meaningful memories of jazz? 
Yeah, it was playing around the house. Sinatra was playing. There was big band music playing. Uh, my, my dad liked uh, Monty Alexander and Marcus Roberts and Ahmed Jamal and some of these pianists. So there would be some records spinning, um, some CDs going on. He loved this one album, Dick Hyman and uh, N Hop, um, where they play some classical repertoire, some jazz stuff, just duo, piano, and bass. Um, and so I have these memories of these these things. He loved Cyrus Chestnut, and there, you know, there's a bunch of pianists that 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 he loved um, that I heard growing up around the house. Um, and, you know, then to kind of, you know, grow up and put names with the faces and um, meaning with the notes and form with the with, with, with the recordings. Um, you know, I, I started uh, playing for musicals in school, uh, hearing that music and playing that music and then discovering that jazz musicians played that music. Uh, I'd be, you know, thrown in there with singers and be playing, you know, accompanying roles with, with singers. And there, there was just so much that, that ended up, uh, you know, kind of materializing um, in so many different directions and that they all were kind of related. So I was like kind of going out, branching out in all these directions, um, which, which uh, all kind of like taught me these different lessons and kind of led me to like, okay, I'm in middle school and I'm playing saxophone and clarinet too. And I'm hearing Charlie Parker and John Coltrane. And I'm trying to play them their solos on here. And, on the clarinet and the saxophone and I fell in love with bebop and that language and that music and, and heard Oscar Peterson and fell in love with that feeling. And, um, <laughs> you know, there was just, there was so much uh, out there that I just kept hearing and loving and um, trying to, trying to access in whatever way to, to play or to hear or to discover him. What were the traits and qualities then that really connected most with you about jazz? You were talking about, the certain feeling, the certain sound, what were the things within those sounds that resonated with you? Um, I think, you know, I, I wasn't thinking too much about what it was. I was just, I was just feeling it and hearing it. Um, you know, there was this bebop was like this undercover language um, that these guys were all speaking together, Dizzy Gillespie and, 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 and train and, and, and miles and, and bird and monk and bud powell and i was like trying to just figure out like what is this language it's you know something that i that i that i felt like i was understanding um and i wanted to be able to speak myself and uh you know let, that led me to a life i'm still you know i still sometimes take zoom classes with barry harris on saturday and study bebop with him who he was around you know he lived with with monk and was around bud and heard all that stuff and for me you know it's just a never-ending journey of trying to figure out that that language that feeling and and trying to communicate that to to audiences and to try to 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 communicate that between between uh, band members as well it's it's a lifelong journey which is inspiring in itself and much of your work centers around that idea of not only communicating but also connecting and i want to come back to that a little bit uh tell me about your formal education you were mentioning your middle school years you also played some of the reed instruments but you continued your piano studies not only uh, throughout high school, but also into college with your bachelor's and master's. Uh, summarize, if you would, those degree experiences. When I moved to New York at age 10, I started uh, taking classical piano at the Manhattan School of Music with Dr. Peter Vinegrade. And uh, it was a very serious study up until I was 18 years old, classical music, classical piano uh, with recitals and concerto competitions and, and things like that. Um, and but decided that I, I didn't think that a life in classical music was cut out for my demeanor and my personality and um, I was trending towards towards jazz and all the things that that had to offer. 
which a lot of it was the community as well. Um, that's something that really brought me to this to this music, um, especially because uh, the the actually. Well, I'll tell you what. I asked Tootie Heath like, why is Tootie Heath? I said, Mr. Heath, why, why, what is it about this music that keeps you you going for for so many years? You're 86 years old. You still love to play and travel and hang and perform and everything. What 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 what's the secret to this music? He said, it's not the music. It's the people. It's the people who play the music. And I think I, I understood that early on. You know, I had some certain friends who played and we had this special bond and we were able to jam and we were able to, you know, get gigs and play in restaurants and I could play solo piano at bar mitzvah and, and make some money. And there were just so many opportunities, um, you know, just, just to play, to create, to, to, to earn money, to um, whatever, you know, whatever it was to, to accompany singers, to play for shows, to... Um, you know, to play in rock bands and to hear your way around it. You know, I did a little bit of everything um, until I went to college. And, and when I was 18, I moved back to Florida. It was kind of my, my like, okay, I'm from Florida, but I don't really remember it that that well. Let me go back down there and check it out. Um, study with Shelley Berg down there. And he was, uh, became a mentor to me, great pianist and, and educator. He's the dean of the Frost School of Music. And that's where I went for four years and really got a chance to get away from New York, get, you know, work on my, work on my, myself, work on my, my piano, work on my sound. I remember blocking myself in the practice room for at least four hours, like before it closed eight to 12 every single night. And, um, you know, just working on the piano, practicing, trying to get a decent sound out of the piano, preparing for some competitions that I did at that time. And yeah, I really just tried to, tried to, tried to hone my thing there, graduated from school, moved back up to, New York City, where I went to Manhattan School of Music for a couple of years and uh, got a master's degree while I was integrating myself into the city and tried to be a jazz musician on the scene and go go to go get my master's at the same time. It was challenging, but somehow I survived. <laughs> you mentioned that your personality lent itself more to the proliferation performance of jazz music. How would you describe your personality, Emmett? Um, I forget what the Myers-Briggs test told me it was, but uh, I'm definitely, an, you know, an extrovert. I think we're, 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 we're both, we're, we're all, we're all everything um, at times. Um, but I would, you know, I, I love people. I love to be around people. I love community. Um, I love bringing music to people. I love uplifting them through, through music. I love hearing about people's stories. Um, I love traveling to different countries and, and discovering the culture. I was just in Russia recently. And, um, you know, to see how they, how they live over there, how they do things, um, you know, it just fascinates me um, to see what they think about, to see how, how we're so similar, but how we're so different. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's part of my great joy of being a jazz musician to travel the world and discover those things. Um, but also, you know, I like to sit at home and practice yoga and read and practice piano and cook and, and spend time with my plants and you know just be by myself too so i think ultimately it's 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 about finding that that healthy balance which i think this year in general um meaning you know this year of the pandemic uh really helped me to find my balance with a lot of things where i was was just going 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 you know taking every gig doing every trip not taking any time to stop and think and look in the mirror and um and, and it's been actually, I think, rewarding, you know, to, to, to have had some time to myself to really think and reflect and, and experience the introvert part of my, um, my, my, myself. You were speaking of, you know, developing your voice, developing your craft as a means of communicating. So how do you express yourself and your personality through your jazz music? 
without thinking about it, <laughs> with trying to be as natural as possible. I mean, you know, the minute you're trying to think about what you're trying to communicate, you know, then you're in this loop of saying, okay, this is, you know, this, this, is, you know, it's, it becomes overwhelming. Um, and I think that's one thing that I've learned in, you know, in, in, in many years playing with many different people, trying to be something always, you know, playing with Christian McBride and trying to be what he needed me to be and playing with Harlan Riley and wanting, wanting, you know, to, to be the best that I could be for him and playing with Kurt Elling and be the best accompanist and, you know, had all these gigs and uh, all these opportunities and wanting, wanting to take advantage of them. Um, but also, you know, sometimes forgetting like, hey, like, you know, you maybe don't have to try as hard as you think you do, as long as you're prepared, as long as you know uh, the music, as long as you're in the vibe, as long as you're perceptive and aware of what everyone's playing, um, you know who you're playing with and what they need to be supported. Um, and I think that's the mindset, I, you know, I use now, how, you know, how can I make everyone sound better? Because that's what who I want to be. I want to be someone that when I play with them, they feel comfortable and everyone feels relaxed and we can all play together and make some music, which is far above any particular person's agenda of what they want to do or what they want to, how they want to play or anything. No, we want to make some music together. And I think that's one of the things that, that I've really been focused on lately. One important element of your performances is not just making your own music, which you are not only a performer, you're a composer with a number of your own works. But one thing that I admire is how you honor the legacy of the so-called jazz architects. You've had a pleasure to perform with many of those there have been several albums that you did for Corey weed's seller live label uh master's legacy series just tell us about why it is so important for you to not only forge a new path into the future for yourself and other younger musicians but why it we should also keep in mind that legacy and somehow incorporate it in what we do well, you know, if you take a look at your family tree and you say, hey, like, you know, I'm looking at my parents and this is what they, this is what they did. This is where they came from. This is who they are. And they, they have brought that together and they made me, um, you know, in some form or another. But you can look beyond that too. And you can say, well, who are their parents? Where do they come from? Uh, you know, where, where, where's my heritage? Um, what, what did these people sacrifice so that I could be here doing this today? And, you know, I think, you know, we, we, we need to give that some weight. Um, you know, everyone's entitled to, to, to their own decision about what's important in life. But, you know, for me, I think, you know, one, one of the only things we have is, is, is our history and our, you know, where, where we came from, how far back can you see, um, you know, where, where does, where do your family come from? That's why people are so into the DNA tests. Um, you know, what, what, what am I made, you know, what am I made, made up of? What's the story here? And, you know, humans are concerned with, with what the story is because that's, that's what we have. That's, that's why, you know, the music is art is so powerful. It tells a story, it reflects on a story. And, um, you know, for me, you know, knowing where my grandparents came from and knowing what they did and how hard they worked and, you know, how their parents came through Ellis Island from unknown places in Russia and Poland and, you know, to, to, to come here, you know, it informs my life um, and how I live it and, and how I appreciate it and how um, and, and, and how I view the world. And I think it's the same thing with jazz, you know, and same thing with art in general, but especially jazz. Um, if, in, in my experience, anyway, you know, I, I look at the, the ancestors of, of the music, the people whose shoulders we stand upon, um, you know, the, the, the people I've come in contact with, Houston Person, George Coleman, 
Sheila Jordan, uh, you know, Ron Carter, um, Jimmy Cobb, Jimmy Heath, Tootie Heath, uh, you know, there's, there's more, um, Benny Golson, these people, you know, sacrificed so, so, so much. Um, they weren't, they toured in the South. They weren't even allowed to stay in hotels. Um, you know, to, to be a jazz musician is to know that history, to know um, the history of America, to know the plight of America, the plunder of, of African people um, in this country, and to, to, to know the history um, and to connect with the ancestors. And that's a big reason why it's so important, because it's almost impossible to, to be able to bring any real meaning to this music without knowing where, where it came from, how it developed, why, why someone like Duke Ellington was, was, was important for the world, Louis Armstrong, Dizzy Gillespie, Fats Waller, what, the, what these people contributed to society and, and to, to, to humanity and how the world was forever changed after that. You know, you know that, and then you're able to you know, you're able to integrate that into what it is that you do every day. Um, and I'm speaking for myself, what it is I do every day and, and what I'm, you know, trying to, trying to, to, to put out in the world. And I love listening to your own recordings from over the years and how it helps to tell your story. And it's such an important point you brought up because you can't fully tell the story of jazz unless you know the stories of those performers, which you mentioned. And I've, I've heard so many where some of the greatest music that we admire and the jazz lexicon came out of so much struggle. And it's hard for me sometimes to try and imagine that because I, I haven't had to go through that. I don't know if you have either. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's something that it's just, it's our duty to know about and it's our duty to educate ourselves and, and other people. Um, and also, you know, to, 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 to remember to bring that joy into the, into the world, because also you don't want to get stuck on, um, you know, you don't want to get stuck on, on, on too much negativity because there is so much negativity in the world already that, it, that, you know, it's important to know it. It's important to recognize it. It's important to be aware of it. It's important to teach it. And then it's important to say, okay, how now, you know, do I understand all that stuff? And I'm able to, to, to let myself shine, let my, like my, let my humanity shine, say, you know, how can I, enter a room of, of, of Russian people and play something that will touch their hearts and find some common ground. And that's what humanity is about. And thinking about your own story, you know, we've been talking about looking to the music of the past and you are an artist who does not look to the past and get stuck in the past. Sometimes we get stuck in just copying things that have already been done. You are an innovator. Uh, I don't know if that word is used with you, but certainly when I listen to your music, that is what I hear is how you're able to, you know, help to move the natural evolution of jazz along. Um, so you're looking to the past for these legacies, but you're also looking ahead. And it's evidenced by your latest work for uh, Mac Avenue, the album called Future Stride. I want to get to the title track in a moment, but in thinking of the album as a whole, what was your idea behind the concept of that album? I think that there are a lot of paradoxes that exist in the world and a lot of juxtapositions that happen all the time. And, and jazz is really about the, 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 the coming together of the polar opposites, the fast and the slow, the romantic and the, and the, and the, and the crazy um, or, or the less romantic, um, the, you know, the hot and the cold, the, the old and the new there's, there's, there's so, there's so much that, that, that um, that it takes both sides of the spectrum to 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 complete when it comes to jazz, when it comes to uh, Black American music, um, 
um, in terms of tempo, in terms of dynamics, in terms of um, styles, in terms of eras, in terms of so many things. And, and, uh, and, you know, for one, one thing for me is that stride um, has been a way for me to connect uh, with the past. It's a part of the music that I came to a little bit later. Um, you know, I was very interested in bebop in, in my upbringing and, and it's not till I got to New York and, um, you know, really heard some other, other pianists and really uh, came together as a community with the, the people that um, I, I found and that I love and who are my family. Um, people like Michael Muenzo, people like uh, Russell Hall, people like Kyle Poole, Evan Sherman, um, Brian Carter, Joe Saylor, Ruben Fox, Benny Benack III. Um, Tavon Pennicott, Godwin Louis, Bruce Harris. Uh, there's so many. There's so many. Uh, Veronica Swift, uh, Samara Joy. Um, you know, these are people that 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 I that I came to New York and who I connected with, and these are the people that that inspire me to to work on stuff. And it's almost like as as a movement, Yasushi Nakamura is another person um, that we've decided to 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 really uh, play in 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 all styles of the music. Um, and to really go back and excavate, you know, what, how do you, you know, how do you get to that strike? What was Louis Armstrong doing? How did Earl, Earl, Earl Father Hines play with Louis Armstrong? Okay, that's one way we can do it. How did McCoy Tyner play with Freddie Hubbard? Okay, that's one way we can do it. What are the similarities between those two things? Oh, you know, oh, they're more similar than you thought. Oh, but you really have to spend some time on, on it to, to understand it and to be able to play it. That's another story. So, um, you know, just just continuing to learn, continuing to practice, continuing to 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 develop and garner that language is one of the most important things um, that that I found uh, my whole community was was going after. Um, and so we went back in, in the future. Um, so so uh, together. Um, and and we would do uh, weeks where we would we would play early music, play Louis, music of Louis Armstrong, and do gigs where we would honor a certain, uh, you know, Fats Waller, or we, you know, doing certain things, and uh, you know, all this just just led and fed our our um, our our vocabulary, and not only our vocabulary when we improvise, but our vocabulary when we choose music and we choose what to present, um, and how to present it, and the order in which to present it, and and how you can play something old and then new, and um, and try to use that. It's almost like ingredients in 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 the cabinet over here. And you know you're not inventing new spices, but you're taking things that 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 exist and and exist in different cultures, and you're putting them together, melding them, and seeing what can come out um when you when you kind of prepare it a certain way and that's exactly what we we tried to do here on future stride which is play you know some some music that existed in the lexicon some piece like dardanella for example that's uh something that that a lot of the the old time pianists fats waller willie lyon smith uh james p johnson uh art tatum they would deal with with music like this and uh, mostly play it, you know, piano, pian solo piano. And, and what I wanted to do was take it and put it in a piano trio context and a modern piano trio context and say, OK, this tune written in 1919, which is the same year that women got the right to vote. OK, that's a, that's a certain connection. And another connection is... Um, you know what we're going through right now um you know how does that how does that exist how, you know we recorded this almost 100 years later to the to the to the t um and you know now we're entering the roaring 20s again and and life is is, is very cyclical so the whole concept of the album plays plays to, to that fact and the song uh future stride itself that is one of your own compositions but there are certain measures within future stride where you alternate between say normal time one two three 
and then suddenly it's double time back and forth back and forth how did you construct that track itself because there are a number of inspirations i hear a lot of your classical upbringing in that song but i find that it's just it's intrinsically interesting to dig into that song to break it apart to see what the ingredients from your spice rack are in that song Wow. Well, it's something that developed uh, more naturally than than not. I, I composed it with Kyle Poole, the drummer, um, and we were, you know, sitting around trying to bounce off rhythmic and also harmonic ideas, and came came up with that a number of years ago as part of a suite of music that we did uh, for one of one of our late night sessions at Dizzy's Club, and um, that was something that really stood out from from that 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 uh, outlasted the the suite of music that we created. Um, but there was, uh, yeah, there, there was just a feeling, you know, it's not like we said, okay, I want to do this and I want to do this. And I want to like we say, okay, here we are. I feel it should go here. You know, let's try it. Okay. Mm, yeah, that felt good. But what if we added this thing? Okay. What if we put a little cowboy groove uh, 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 in the middle, in the middle as the yes. end? I thought for sure you were going to play Don't Fence Me In as soon as I boom, 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 boom. Um, no, no, so that, that's, you know, that's just uh, some of the grooves and some of the different different ways of playing. And and and, and we, we, we put them together in, in a way. And then we took it on tour. We played it a bunch and it developed in different ways on tour. And, and now when we play that, you know, in the club, it may not sound like it did on the record anymore. And that's what all the great jazz musicians, they, they played their compositions every night and they kept developing and changing and morphing. You have had so many wonderful experiences. We could list the artists that you've played with, you know, the places where you have played. But I want to dig at something else with your own personal skill as you continue to develop and grow as an artist. At this point in your career with Future Stride, how do you think that album with its many tracks, how do you think that does help to provide a glimpse of your versatility as an artist? Um, that's for somebody else to, to really say, not me. Um, you know, I just, I just do what I do and do what I love and do what feels natural and try to play with the other musicians, um, in, in the band. Uh, you know, we, we, we tried to concept it as, as, as meticulously as we could. Um, but really the, 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 the greatest blessing like to come out of this whole thing is that I got, I have a chance to go on tour with Russell Hall and Kyle Poole, some of the greatest jazz musicians, young, innovative, um, astute, smart, you know, uh, soulful, daring, challenging. Um, and what they, what, what, what we, what we did was we went on tour for, for years and, and developed a concept and develop, you know, this music and the, the real showcase is how we play together in that. Um, and, you know, Russell's not someone that's like, you know, I don't want any bass solos. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't think this track, you know, we, let's produce this, like, you know, we're pop, producing a pop track. There's no pop tracks on, on, uh, there's no bass solos on pop tracks. Right. And so, okay, well, we have to give you something. So we like, let's do an entire track. That's just a bass feature. Okay. So then we're like, what are we going to do? Well, we know uh, Duke Ellington featured his bass player, Jimmy Blanton on this, on this piece, Pitter Panther Patter. And so let's try, let's try. Okay. He's going to add some of his own Jamaican influences into it now. And, you know, we, I'm talking about Russell now who's from Jamaica and we, you know, we, we, we just, we just try to be as natural and, and, and flow with everything as much as possible and play the music that we've been playing on tour. Um, because, uh, I think that's, 
something that I've learned from the masters. They said, you know, we go on tour, we play this music for months and, and weeks and months, and then we go in the studio and record it, and it would be bam. You know, nowadays people try to go in the studio and make a record, you know, without having been on tour. Um, and so it was a blessing that I've been able to travel uh, with, with this band and develop our concept and then, and then take it into the studio. Thinking of the future as an abstract, in a chronological sense, how does the future look to you? And that could be musically speaking for your own personal life. I mean, you take the question for what it is. Um, I, you know, I think I think the future uh, holds a lot of beautiful things. I think, especially after this, you know, this tough year for a lot of people. Um, a lot of people were isolated. Of a lot of people, um, of course, were were you know had their worlds turned upside down. And for me, I think that I'm looking at it now, a year later, almost a year, you know, year to the day. We're doing this interview, and uh it's 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 i think it's it's filled with hope and i think people you know want to believe that that there are good times ahead and, and that's what that's what the message of jazz the spirit of jazz really is it's like you know times are tough that's what the blues is but it's going to be okay it's going to get better you know things are going to improve you know life won't always be like this um you know, there, there's the hope when Louis Armstrong goes up for the high note at the end of the tune um, and he's, he's wavering on that high note. You can hear that that all of the stuff I just said, you know, the, the, the hope for better times ahead um, when John Coltrane's screaming up, uh, you know, in the high register on the saxophone and, you know, uh, praying and, and connecting with the spirits and the ancestors and hoping for equality and better life for his people and, um, and for our people and for the world, um, you know, these people are playing for something um, greater than just themselves. And I think that's uh, that's a lesson that I learned on the yoga mat, too. It's uh, it's it's, you know, you, you're doing this for you, for yourself, but but something also greater than yourself. And whatever that means to you, that's you know, that's for you to decide. And I think it changes over over one's lifetime. Um, but that I think that that has to do with the future, not you, you know yourself, but also something more than yourself. And to be selfless in the music um, is to consider other people, to consider their futures, to consider your future on Earth together, um, and to consider you know for many generations to come what you know what 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 humanity could could look like, you know if if, if everyone loved this music, if everyone loved each other, if everyone loved themselves. One final thought among many things that we could talk about, but I want to end with this thought. Why music? For me, uh, music chose me. I often say when, when, we talk, when we talk to students, when we talk to kids especially, we, I would go into a lot of schools and, and, and we take questions at the end and they say, you know, why music? Why that? I say, you know, have you seen Harry Potter? And say, yeah. So I say, how did Harry Potter choose his wand? And, and they, they say, well, uh, somebody usually knows that the one chose him, right? And and it's the same with the music. It's it's like the music chose me almost. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm just a messenger of of the music. I didn't, you know, I, I I was put on this earth, and the music found me, and it runs through my head and my brain and my veins, and I'm thinking about it all day long. And I'm, um, you know, then I get together and with other musicians, and we're thinking about it together, and it puts us on this higher wavelength. Um, it's just this gift that that I've been that I've been bestowed with to to connect on another level with people. Um, people who play, you connect on a different level. People who listen, you connect. People who never thought they would like the music at all, you're able to communicate to them something special, and. There's so many ways to 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 think about it, but but really it's just a blessing from 
from from from some higher power and it's a way uh that we can communicate um especially you know as cliche as it sounds universally um you know amongst between cultures amongst different people and uh really you know get to know ourselves better through it every time i you know play music i get to know myself a little bit better you know who i am what i what what i, I want to be which is the future um and and who who i was which is the the stride right <laughs> and you know just trying to trying to consider all those things and and think about them and and be aware of them and also you know not live a life that's too caught up in all of those things and, and thinking about them and, and worrying about them, you know, just enjoying the time that we do have and, and, and being around the people that, 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 that make you whole. Emmett Cohen, this week's guest during in studio from simply timeless. His new album is future strides and it's available from Mac Avenue records. Special thanks to Emmett for speaking with me and a word of thanks to you, our listener for joining us until next time. I'm Jay Daniels. Thanks for listening to In Studio from Simply Timeless.